0: Praise the Lord. I got some folks in who love to praise the Lord, so I say praise the Lord. Make some noise for him in here. Come on, Jesus is worthy in this place. Come on now. Somebody in here knows what he's done for you. You know what he's done for your family. You know what it means for us to be together in this gathering in this way. It's a beautiful thing. Relentless Church, I am so glad to be with you. I am so glad to celebrate the Lord and his goodness and his faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you to the to the to the team that led us in worship because it's once you get in that space, sometimes it's hard to just kind of move out of that, right? But God is good. I am I am I'm blessed today, and I'm so glad that I'm with Him. I'm so glad that He is with us. I'm so glad that we are together. My family is here, and uh, my wife Tasha and my little ones, my four babies, is right here on the road. I've got my mother here with me, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, my family is a, is a miracle. Um, as we begin to get to know each other, friends, family, um, you start to talk to each other, and you realize that all of our family is a miracle. Like the fact that we're standing here today, and we're fellowshipping in the way that we get to, and, and the ability to encourage one another in the Lord, it's a miracle. God stepped in. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to take a moment and pray and ask that God would lead us today, that God would lead me um, in the role that I play today in order to communicate his word. God, I thank you for your word being the truth that brings life. I thank you, God, that you would speak through vessels such as myself and, and so many who are just just and vessels, God. We have our issues. We're broken, and we, 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 we miscommunicate at times. We misunderstand at times, God. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would lead, and I believe you have led in the preparation, and even today that you would lead in the delivery, and that you would also lead in the hearing and the receiving of the word today. We know that you gather us for joy. You gather us for encouragement, God, but you also teach us, God, and you also direct us, God. So I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Are you ready to receive the word today? Say, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. All right, well, here, here's the deal. My name is Kambui. It's an interesting thing. Since you guys know me, anybody you ever have a conversation about with me, I'm going to entrust you to teach them how to say my name. <laughs> my name often gets pronounced as Kambui, because it's K-A-M. It's Kambui, like .com, or like mom, Kambui. All right, so we're going to be friends. You know, I'm from California. I've lived all over the place. I got some California people in over here. That's what I'm talking about. I've lived all over the place, but the thing is, we are one body. We are one family in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Now today, what we're going to discuss, I believe God has prepared for us to have this conversation, and it is an important one. And in order to tee it up, I'm gonna ask you guys a few questions. I just want you to know a little bit where I'm coming from and I wanna hear about where you're coming from. Has anybody ever kinda of grown up and when you were coming up, you had all of the brand name stuff? Like when you got shoes, you went to the, 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 the Foot Locker store and you got Nikes. Did anybody grow up in a way that when you went to the grocery store, you got, you got the, the Frosted Flakes, right? Is anybody that, is that you? I'm just letting you know that was not me. That was not me. That was not me. So when, when, when I went to the store, it was, it was to Big Five. I wasn't going to Foot Locker. Okay, I was going to Mervyn's. I was getting shoes. I was getting, instead of Jordans, I was getting XJ900s. I would get in my, in my jacket. I went, everybody wanted a starter jacket when you was growing up in the 90s, right? Uh, I, I finally got one from the grocery store. <laughs> and I'm not sure it was a starter. It just said initiator. It wasn't the same thing, but like... <laughs> We would go to the store. In my house, we didn't have Cheerios. We had Cheerful-Os. You guys know what I'm talking about? We had the off-brand stuff. I don't think we ever had anything that was on-brand in my house growing up. And my dad was like, the same thing, what you talking about? A box or a bag, the same thing, right? It wasn't the same. But you know, it's laughable. But then, you know, the difference between the real thing and an off-brand thing sometimes can be comical and we can laugh about that. But there's something different when you're looking at the real thing versus a counterfeit. You see, a off-brand is another version, something similar, something that might be just as good, something cheaper, has a, usually a different cost, right? Like if you get the real Gucci, it costs one thing. And if you get the, 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 you know, the other one, the Goofy, right, then it costs a little less. But there's a problem when you think you, the price has been paid for the real thing, but what you have is a counterfeit. Then it becomes consequential. And now we're talking about something more serious than whether or not my Jordans are real or not. We're talking about something more serious than that. Imagine you're in a, in a hospital and your life is on the line. I think it's important to you that the doctor that walk in has a real degree and really understands medicine, That is the real thing. Nobody wants a, a counterfeit doctor walking in. You don't wanna see Dr. Dre in that moment. So today we're going to talk about something very important to the body of Christ, and we're going to talk about how it's often presented in in, in this thing as, as a counterfeit. We want the real thing. Now I want you to put a pin in that just for a moment. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. Today's message is probably a little bit easier to engage with as a believer in Christ. And it doesn't mean that if you're listening today online or if you're in the room that It's not. If you were to say, I'm not a Christian, I don't know that I'd call myself that. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. It certainly doesn't mean that the message doesn't have something for you. Actually, I think you'll get a lot out of this message. You may not know all of the stories that I refer to. Maybe you haven't been so familiar with the characters. But the good thing about being here today, if you're not a believer, is you'll see what believers are called to. And it might actually help you understand your relatives who are Christians, your workmates who are Christians. If you got some folks, you're like, I don't understand these folks. Well, today just might help that out. But I'm talking today to you, the believer, because it's so important that we understand this thing. And you know, I'm going to, I just gave my disclaimer, I'm going to try to uh, spend some time and explain the churchy aspects of the message just for those who are just seeking, but I want to not be the a point so much. So let's go ahead and get into the word. You heard today that I'm from California. I spent a lot of time there, and I recently moved to the East Coast. And as a matter of fact, it was only three months ago that I moved here to North Carolina. And there's some things that I realized when I moved here. One of them in particular, in fact, I experienced it in the back room there. There's something I did not understand about this. I heard it on TV, but I don't think I understood North Carolina basketball culture at all. I didn't understand. Now, I just want to know, do we have any Tar Heel fans in here? I know my man, Chauncey, stood alone earlier. Is there someone that will stand with him as a dookie? Anyone? All right, I see you. He's not by himself. All right, all right. <laughs> That's his daughter, okay. Hey, he's raising her up. Hey, you know, somebody got to stand. Any, any, any Wolfpack folks up in here? I see you, I see you. Any deacons? All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> somebody said, what's that? What y'all talking about? I don't even know that. They're not in this conversation. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you something, when I was in California, I would see, I mean, obviously I grew up in the Michael Jordan age, I was a Laker fan, my favorite player was, uh, one of my favorite players, James Worthy, and I, un- I understood the North Carolina tradition, I understood that, you know, uh, Grant Hill and, 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 and uh, Christian Laettner came out of Duke, and, and, and J.J. Reddick. I think he's from over here too, right, so I saw that, but it wasn't until moving here that I realized how much I didn't quite understand. That basketball, in the tradition that's here, can actually be more than just a few good teams playing a nice game. In fact, it's a way of life in some households. As a matter of fact, it's a great divider of families sometimes. And I've heard stories of, of fathers in North Carolina uh, checking to see if their would-be son-in-law was actually a Tar Heel fan before giving their blessing. Ain't that something? The thing about it is there's a way that you could be on the outside of a thing, kind of see it, kind of hear about it, and not truly understand it until you get an experience, until you come in. And I'm so glad that I live here now, and I'm beginning to understand. But when I think about that, and the reason I said that is because there's a way that you can kind of know about a thing but not truly understand the thing. Anybody ever said a word and pronounced it the wrong way for a long time and didn't know it? Am I the only one? Okay, Reggie, I see you. Pronounce the word the wrong way and you around talking to people and you just saying the word, feeling good about it, especially if it's a big word. And then people are looking at you all like supportively like, oh, bless their heart. <laughs> I, I'm going to just go ahead and, and be honest with you and be, I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit. Before I moved here, for a long time I was calling the city Rally. I was calling it Raleigh, North Carolina. I think, I think at some point when I was young, I heard James Brown say it in the song, and I thought he said, Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was like, all right, it's Raleigh. I come here, everybody's saying Raleigh. I must have said Rally to like 20 people. What's worse than mispronouncing a word is when there's a word that you are using and you don't fully know what it means. But you've heard it used enough and you kind of get the gist of it. Right, and you start using the word, you know what I mean, and you putting it in, in certain places like, oh, soliloquy, you know, you don't know what it means, but you, you know, you're fine because you're smart enough to get the gist, but you don't want to be actually tested on the words' meaning because then you have to actually understand when a word is tested. Now you got to know its application. You got to know how to. Re- and I'm going to tell you the reason I tell you that today is because one of those words for me is the word blessing. Somebody say blessing. So blessing is a word that I heard growing up all over the place. And I didn't grow up in church. And so people who didn't go to church, people who went to church, everybody said blessing. But when I started going to church, it got weird because I started hearing it all the time. And in so many contexts that I did not know how to put my finger on what it actually meant to be blessed. And so I would hear somebody say something like, you know, someone would sneeze and what do they say? God bless you. And so I would interpret, because again, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't know a lot of scripture, I would interpret that as meaning a blessing is to be relieved from some sort of sickness or some sort of peril, right? And so God bless you, I don't want you to be sick anymore, right? And then I would hear somebody say something like, when they'd be like, hey, what's happening, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. (laughs) Oh, okay. So a blessing is somehow related to being highly favored, Highly favored, presumably by God. And then I'd hear people say something like, the minister of music is about to get on stage and bless us with a song. My, you got to understand, I wasn't coming from church, so I didn't understand what, how, what this, is, it, is it highly favored? I don't understand how he's blessing us with a song. And then somebody would come up and say something like, right now, wherever you are, I want you to just by faith reach up and grab your blessing. I was really confused then, because I was like, It's funny how that goes. Somebody would want to give you some money, and they would say, I'm about to bless you, baby. And then if you try to say, no, nah, I'm okay, I'm good. No, nah, don't rob me of my blessing. Y'all heard it right. I'm giving this to you now because I'm going to get mine back tenfold. And so the problem for me was that in our English language, we use the same word to mean so many things. And I thought about right now really trying to uh, go ahead and, and, and roll out the original Hebrew and the Greek definitions, the biblical definitions of, 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 of blessing, but I didn't do that. And the reason why is because the way we use it, it might not even be healthy, we use it more like slang. So rather than get into all that, and what's interesting about slang from generation to generation, slang changes. Like when, 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 when when I was growing up in the 90s and we were talking to a friend, we'd be like, hey, man, I'm telling you, bruh, it was the bomb. Ten years later, they like, man, it was so lit up in there. Now my son's growing up. My son, they'd be like, man, I'm telling you, dude, it was straight, it was fire, man. It was fire. Okay. Man, every single, every single song was banging. So somebody, if they took that and put it all in a time capsule and threw it 100 years forward and someone were to pull it out and try to interpret it, they think we live in a war zone. <laughs> right? We just talking about being at the club last night. That's it. So the way that we use blessing is also often used as slang, and it's very interesting. You know what? I'm going to go ahead here and try to do myself a favor. I'm using someone else's iPad And it keeps turning off on me. So let's go ahead and take that off. Very good. So the way that we use uh, this, this word blessing is important to the body of Christ. Nevertheless, it's so hard to put your finger on how it is supposed to be used and what it actually means. One thing that I was able to glean when I was growing up, though, when I would hear the word used, is that to be blessed is a good thing. I mean, I always understood every context of blessing was good. It was better to be blessed Than to be not blessed. As a matter of fact, in the culture I grew up in, whatever you had to do to get your blessing was worth it. You ought to do it. As a matter of fact, I would watch TV. I can remember. You guys have to understand. I just did not come from the culture. I would watch TV and I would see people selling handkerchiefs that have been prayed for by some TV evangelist. And if you pay your money, they will send it to you and you can get your blessing at your house. And I ain't going to lie. I was tempted to go ahead and pay my $29.99. I had some stuff going on in my life. Am I the only one that got some stuff going on? So I was like, if I can get my handkerchief, I can tuck it right here and bless my little heart, my little favorite thirsty heart out. It was an interesting thing. (laughs) Blessing was, 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 was a trip. The thing, the concept of it is this. And and it's pervasive in our culture. It's everywhere. It makes you ask the question, what is it about humanity that makes us want to be blessed? And in order to really dig into that, we have to see this. It's not that it's just our culture that wants that. It's not that it's just the time that we live in. In fact, it's not even just our religion. And I want you for a moment, if you would, because <laughs> the truth is, as long as, as history has been recorded, people have been looking up for a blessing in every culture. And I, I really want you not to hear what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that every religion is the same and we're all serve, worshiping the same God. I'm not saying that that's not actually true. But it can be said that all religion starts from the same point. And it is this. This world is hard. This world is dangerous. Let's go ahead and put that first slide up here. This is where people come from. The world is a dangerous place. There are rumors of wars. There are pandemics, and I can talk about this like it was 2,000, 5,000 years ago, or today, and it's still the same. There are, there's wars, there's pandemics, there are mass layoffs, there are market crashes, there are gas prices that are insane. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My goodness. The world is a dangerous place, and because of sin, people are dangerous, People are dangerous, and we have to worry about attacks from all ends. we got to worry about random haters. You've got mass shootings. We've got all kind of stuff in our world, and the thing about this dangerous world is it makes us feel so uncomfortable. We can go ahead and bring that next slide here. It scares the mess out of us, so fear comes into the picture, and this is why people tend to come to religion. And I'm not at all saying that religion is not important, that it's not good. I'm just saying that this idea of wanting a blessing is not unique to Christians. For all of us, the world scares us. And it scares us because imagine in the ancient days, if it does not rain, then the crop does not come. Then our kids do not eat. You understand what I'm saying? If somebody comes across the border with a different culture and wants to take us out, then what? So when the world scares us, we all tend to do the same thing. We try to control our world. We can go ahead and hit that next slide. We try to control our world. And when we try to control our world, we try to get our life back in control because we don't like what it feels like when there's so much in the world that we can't control. It makes us feel uncomfortable. When we're living in chaos, anybody ever had a season of chaos in your life? If you're like me, that just makes you feel uncomfortable. And what we tend to do is try to get back in control. We try to, 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 to bring the, the, the elements of our life into a place that we can have an expectation. We want to know what's coming next. We don't like getting caught off guard. And this is the whole premise of general religion. And, 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 and the thing about it is what we'll do is we will seek a power that is greater than ours. If we don't think we have the power to control it, we'll seek a power that is greater than ours and hopefully we'll be able to harness that power for our benefit, for the things that we want. And that's the general concept. If we can throw that slide up, we can read that one together. And I'm gonna say this is not Christianity, this is just humanity. The general concept of a blessing is to gain favor from a power greater than you, which affords you the assurance of good health, wealth, right? Prosperity, a pass. We want a pass from common hard times. We want comfort. We want a general sense of what? Of winning. We want to be winning, right? And that's, that's really what we're looking for when we get blessing. Now, I want y'all to give me some grace right here because I'm about to say a few things that when you first hear it, it's going to sound wild, In fact, you might want to tell me to just go ahead and leave right now, and I hope that's not the case. If you will just, I promise, if you will just wait a little bit, you will hear what I'm laying out, and we'll have an opportunity to examine it, let it shine some light on this issue of blessing. Somebody say amen? Amen. All right, all right. We're We're not going to dishonor the Lord in here today, but I am going to say some things that might initially sound like it's the opposite of things that you may have been heard. You may have heard throughout your years walking with Jesus. But I think it's an important conversation to have because I think it's key to perhaps the reason so many longtime churchgoers have stopped following Jesus. And I don't want any of us to stop following Jesus. And you've got loved ones and friends that have stopped following Jesus or in danger of, of uh, stop following Jesus. And if we're not following Jesus, we're not walking in life. So we got to have this conversation. The first thing to consider is that sometimes the very same um, good. Habits, good practices, good behaviors, these these same things that we've been encouraged to do in Scripture, they have the ability to be uh, uh, perverted and misused and to create and get distorted to create some dangerous doctrinal pitfalls. So when I say doctrinal pitfalls, I mean that there's like a set of beliefs that we create. And we try to align our life. The thing about doctrine, it allows us to, to say, okay, if I do these things, I can, I can expect. So when you have doctrine, doctrine are the things that aligns your life. And if we have doctrinal pitfalls because of these things that are, that are really kind of good things, what really happens is, how do I say this? Lord, help me. We are encouraged in scripture to do these things, but if we try to use these things in order to uh, control God, that's the thing. We we want to control our world. We want to control our circumstances. We find ourselves sometimes trying to control people. We find ourselves even trying to control God when God has given us his spirit so we can have self-control by the spirit. But we don't deal with what's going on here. So we seek a blessing to change what's going on out there. I want to talk to you a little bit. Is all right if I talk to you a little bit? Here's what I think the issue is. Nobody wants to be a sheep. Nobody wants to be a sheep. Come on now, when God has blessed me, why do I have to be a sheep? I want to be an eagle. I want to be on eagle's wings. I'm above it all. Sometimes I'm looking for a blessing. I'm trying to escape all that stuff that's down there. I love it when I hear a message that says I get to fly above the fray. I get to fly above the drama. I get to fly above the pestilence. I get to fly above the troubles. I get to, I'm up here with it. I'm an eagle. An eagle don't have nothing it can't reach. I can go as high as I want to go and get whatever I need. I want to be an eagle. I want to be a lion, God make me some. I'll take a bear, Give me, I'll be a hippo if I can. I don't want to be a sheep. I want to, do, I want to be something that can, that can t- handle some bitterness. Nobody ever said, draw, you know, draw a picture of the animal you want to be, and they drew a sheep. The thing about a sheep is the sheep ain't got no teeth, no nails, very little muscles, not a lot of sense, but Jesus said, hey, I'm the good shepherd, you're my sheep. We don't want to be a sheep. And so this idea is when we don't, we don't trust him as the shepherd, we don't trust that he cares for us, that he loves us, that he knows our situation, then we start trying to manipulate things so that we can have what we want in life, what we think we should have. And I'm about to share four sort of mindsets or paradigms that we typically fall in. And they have they, sometimes they're really pagan ideas that are dangerously dressed in Christian garb. Can I give it to you? The first one is I can control my world by living under God. And on the the surface, that sounds real good because guess what? God is bigger than us. God is bigger than us. God has created all the heavens and the earth. God is all powerful. God is mighty. God is to be magnified. There's nothing wrong with worshiping God. This is what we've been called to do. It's nothing wrong with being humble, recognizing that who am I? I'm just me. I'm this small. God's all of that. But here's where it goes wrong. It goes wrong when, when we think that, and I'm gonna tell you something, I don't wanna offend nobody, but the pagans did the same thing. There's a greater power than me, so all I have to do is learn what he likes and what he doesn't like. All I have to do is learn to appease him. All I have to do is not do the things that would make him mad. He's this big, mighty God, and I'm going to find a way to control him by giving him what he wants. I'm going to make sure he gives me what I need because I've given him what he wants and what he likes. They went as far as even saying, okay, well, we need the crop to come in. We need fertility. Well, maybe we just throw our babies in the fire. How crazy is that? And even in Christianity, we find ourselves doing some similar mindset when we say, okay, God is big. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to magnify the Lord. And I'm going to say, God, you're so good. And then I want my stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we're using our worship as a way to gain control of God, then that is actually not a humble thing. That's not a love relationship at all. So many people often say, and with incredible disappointment, why did grandma have to die? She was such a good person. She did all the things that you would think God wants. If anybody should have died, it should have been a bad person. My grandma was a good person. Why'd she die? See, that's where where it falls short. That's where all of a sudden we find people falling away. Because we think because we lifted him up, because we saw him as this big God, We sell people sometimes on this idea that there's a God. You'll come to Jesus because he's going to take all your problems away. And he never promised to take all the, promises, the problems away on this side, not on this side. There's a time when the weeping goes away, but that ain't now. The other problem with this mindset that I'm going to, I'm going to control my, my life by, by living under God is that we got morality issues. And if you're anything like me, you just can't meet the cut. You just can't do what you're supposed to do. And when that happens, we live in a world, even in church, that's trained us, when I don't do the right thing, God is mad at me, God hates me, then God will not bless me, and now my life is still out of control. And conversely, we train ourselves to believe, but if I do all the right things, and if I do refrain from the bad things, then I deserve to be blessed. But what happens when you don't get what you deserve? I love my babies. I'm so proud of them, but I'm going to get on them for a second. Sometimes, you know, they got chores. You know, my house, they got chores. Anybody give you kids chores? So they got chores, they go, and they do their chores. And as soon as they do their chores, they ask for something. Like, because I did this, now I get this. You see what it is? It's, it's a transactional relationship that we're trying to have with God sometimes and it's God's not called us into a that's a very pagan thing that's just a modern pagan transactional blessing that ain't what he's called us to the second mindset that we want to get into and I'm gonna try to move this forward so you can understand because we're getting somewhere today is I can control my world by living over God now I heard somebody say what living over God yeah right and that sounds crazy right but what it is is if you're a person here who's a go-getter Self-starter, if you're a kind of person who feels like, you know, God blesses those who bless himself or you feel like I'm just going to I'm going to learn. You see, what happens is there's so much truth in the word of God that you can actually study it and study it. Jesus said it like this, that you're seeking the word because you think it brings you something. But you've missed me. You can learn the word and know something about God, that God doesn't break his promises, that God can't lie. So you think you're going to legislate God into a corner. You know what I'm saying? You think that because if I, if I, you know, and the thing about our culture is that there is now, even in Christian culture, there is a book for everything. There's a book for marriage. There's a book for how to do parenting. There's a book for finances. There's even a book for how to, how to have barbecues in your backyard and invite your friends over. The thing about it is these are not bad things. Nothing that I'm talking about is actually a bad thing. These are good things. But if we're using them, thinking that we can harness God's power and control him, that's when we're off. If I'm thinking that I can learn the word so well that I can speak the word and then I can guarantee that God's going to do what I want, we don't realize that we're tempting the Lord when we do that. You guys remember Jesus when he was tempted by the devil and they said, hey, why don't you go ahead and jump down here and commit suicide? Psalm 91 says that the angels got to come and grab you before you hit the ground. Yes, it does say that. However... It also says you should not tempt the Lord. So that second category is like I can live over God, like I can actually control God by knowing his word. It is possible to have a relationship with scripture and not have a relationship with God. The next paradigm that we need to be careful of when we're seeking a blessing is I can control my life by living off of God. And this one here, it's hard, right? So it's like, okay, we're learning that our identity is in Christ. Somebody say amen? And as Christ, we are children. We have the right, actually, to be called the children of God. And sometimes we interpret that as a level of entitlement we haven't understood to live as Christ and to die as gain. It got quiet real quick. Because we're his children, we, we are entitled sometimes. We deserve. We, we, we get this mindset. You're not below. You're above. You ain't, you're the head and not the tail. You are a child of the most high God. All true things. All true things. You are a prince if you are the child of a king. Also true. We are a princess. Also true. But if we take that and we find ourselves saying, because of that I deserve the best things, I deserve that promotion, I deserve that nice house, I deserve that nice car, I deserve a a, a pass from all the hard times, because I'm a child of God. As a matter of fact, I got so much faith in the favor in my life that I don't have to deal with any of that. As a matter of fact, we find ourselves sounding a lot like the prodigal son in that situation. Let's look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we've got, uh, and, and maybe maybe we don't have it there, but if you've got your Bible, go ahead and pull up Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 talks about the prodigal son, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pull this out here. With Luke chapter 15, it's pretty crazy because Jesus is telling a story to people. So this is, this is a parable. It's a story that Jesus made up so that he can reveal a truth to the people that he was talking to. And he's telling them this story. And in the story, it's pretty wild. Let me make sure I get to the right spot. He says something that culturally he knew that was going to set them off. He knew that when they heard this story, the people listening were going to be like, oh my God. So basically, you got a father who is rich and he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of possessions and he's got two sons. And one of his sons has the nerve to go to his father and say, give me all of my blessings right now. Give me all my inheritance right now. And the people who heard that story were like, what? Because it was so disrespectful. Basically, what the son was saying is, it would be better for me if you were dead right now, dad. I just want my stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm not very concerned about the time I have left to be with you. I just want my stuff that I deserve, the stuff that I am entitled to. Give it to me. It's mine. I deserve it. Give it. I'm not happy unless you give it to me. And as soon as I get it, I will forget about all of the access to you that I have, and I'm out. That's what the prodigal son did. And he used up everything he had, thinking it was going to bring him some satisfaction. And of course, it did not. It left him empty. And he came to a census, thank God. Some of us, we come to our senses. thank God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And God received him back. So he comes back and he has a party. The father is like, hey, you're back. You were dead. Now you're alive. I'm so excited. And man's like, I got this whole speech I worked out, dad. Let me go ahead and say it to you. He's like, I ain't even worried about that. I'm just glad you're back. He's throwing a party. All the servants are happy. Everybody's doing it. His brother, his own brother, is outside. He won't come in. He finds out there's a party and he's ticked off. And then what happens is, the, the father comes out to talk to him, and he gets on his dad's case. Anybody ever got on the father's case? <laughs> Let's be real. I mean, you don't have to be shy in here. The boy was getting on his dad's case. Jesus knew what he was doing when he was telling this story. He said, Dad, I have always been with you, and I've been slaving for you all of these years. What was once considered righteous works, huh, we'll get to that. You see, because that fourth mindset is I can control my world by living for God. And this one's the trickiest one. Clearly the dude who was living off God, he just left God and he, he, he you can see why that's a mess. But the guy who was living For God, the lady living for God, it's hard to see the difference because, like, I'm going to go to church every service. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to treat people kindly. I am going to be generous. I'm going to do all these things. And because I do all these things, I know that I am righteous. And because I'm righteous, I know that I am blessed. And because I get to be blessed, I can control my world. And the problem is the very things that are righteous works, we think that those guarantee us the blessing we want. But our works do not guarantee us our blessing. This is not a transactional thing. What happens is you can be sitting there talking to the father, telling him off, mad because you didn't get. The boy said, you never threw a party for me and invited my friends over and killed the fatted calf. What gives? I've been slaving. How are you going to describe the works you've been doing as slaving for you? You see how that bitterness can creep in? When we think that we can control God by doing righteous works and then we don't get what we want, bitterness creeps in. Now I can't even look at my brother and call him my brother. He said, this son of yours, the father had to remind him, this, your brother was dead. He was dead. And get this. He said, he was dead. Why was he dead? Because he was no longer with me. He was gone. Life is here. He was gone. He was dead. Now that he's back, he's alive. Of course we're going to celebrate that. You, son, have always been what? With me. And everything I have is yours. Yes, but you're missing the point. You have been with me. It's bad when we already have the blessing, but we're out there seeking it. These disciplines that I just talked about, they're not bad things, and they actually are not actually the blessing they were given to us so that we can walk in the blessing, that we can activate the blessing. We cannot get distracted from our blessing, but our blessing is Emmanuel, God with us. And it is worth noting that the, the, the blessing that many times people are seeking, even Christians, is different than the blessing we have in Jesus Christ. I want to compare and contrast for a little bit, okay? And I've been calling it like a, a neo-pagan transactional blessing. It's all about health, wealth, and comfort, okay? Health, wealth, and worldly comfort, and it's fueled by lust. Not lust, but lust. It's fueled by fear and pride and, 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 and the thing about it is with this kind of blessing it's not possible for everybody to have it. Like how can I be rich and you be rich and you be rich and you be rich and there's no such thing as rich. So what has to happen is God has to favor me over you. That's the thing about that kind of blessing that always leads to wars and when there are more wars there's more danger our world is more out of control and we are all more uncomfortable so we're seeking answers. But the true blessing in Christ, actually, let me say something that I hope it don't hurt too bad. If it hurts, it it hurts us to repentance. Sometimes we are so impacted by this neo-pagan transactional version of blessing that we don't care or we don't even notice when it's been superimposed onto faith in Christ. That's why it's important to know the difference between the real thing and the counterfeit. The true blessing in Christ is not something that we go out and seek. If you are a believer, you are blessed, period. We just got to learn how to activate the blessing. We activate the blessing by acknowledging that we are blessed, by engaging with the blessing we have. We have Christ with me, the hope of glory, Christ in me. I get to live in that every day. I get to walk in obedience. I get to illustrate it by my trust in him. I get to be a sheep. The thing about a sheep is really cool. When we talk about Psalm 23, the guy's talking about the, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? So he talks about as a sheep, I get to just lay down in green pastures. A sheep don't just lay down. There's lions and wolves around. The sheep, you would think if we were a sheep, we'd be like this. The sheep trust the shepherd so much that he can just lay down. Not even worried about it. Let's go together to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is a very popular version of a passage of scripture. It's the Great Commission. So this, the scene is that Jesus has went to the cross. He was sinless and he was killed. He gave his life for us. He died, and he was buried. If I can pause there for a moment, when he got arrested. He spent the night getting beat up. He was, he, was, he, was, he was done so wrongly. Illegal trials. They passed him around from house to house, different people. They were gathering people that could lie on him, try to give false testimony, and it wouldn't work. Then they took him to foreign governors, and, and then they exchanged a, a criminal for him. Then he died upon the cross as if he was a criminal, and then you know, the disciples, they, they saw all of this. How how be it from a distance, they saw all of this. And what it felt like is losing. What it felt like is the thing that we put our hope in, the thing that we put our faith in, it didn't work. And if you were in it so that it worked, it's easy to see how you can get discouraged when it looks like you're losing. If you're in a relationship with Jesus because it works, it's easy to see how discouraged you can be when it looks like you're losing. So the disciples had three days to mull over how in the world did we get here? Everyone in the, our families think we're crazy. Our communities think we're crazy. We decided to put our hopes in this guy and now he's dead in the grave. Let's go fishing. Let's go back to our old lives. Anybody find yourself ever tempted to go back to your old lives, your old habits, your old mindsets? Oh yeah. Let's get real today. We pick it up in in chapter 28 of Matthew. Jesus had resurrected from the grave, just like he said he would. Somebody say amen. Amen. He showed himself to the ladies who were waiting for him. Women just kind of be locked in sometimes, just locked. in. I'm so blessed for my wife, for my mother, for the people in my life, strong women locked in. They were waiting. They thought, you know what, I'm going to be with Jesus no matter what. He came to his disciples. Some of them were scared. He said, hey, hey, I want you to go get the rest of you and meet me in Galilee. And this is where we pick it up right here. So verse 16, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some were doubtful. I want to highlight that. Some were doubtful. Verse 18 says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me, right? In heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then here's what I want to highlight for you. He said, I want you to teach them in all the things that I taught you, right? Teach them to obey and follow what I commanded you. But behold, another version would say, be assured of this. I am with you always. This is the beginning of the church, y'all. Like we're here today because of this moment. I want you to understand that. We are here today because of this establishment. These disciples would become apostles, and they would start the church. He's sending them out. But he said, before you go out, before you do all these things that you're going to do, I need you to be assured of this. Mind you, they were doubting some of them. So God understands there's times when we would doubt, but he says, I need you to be assured even when you're doubting. I need you to be assured even when you're going through it. Something's going to be hard in the future. You need to be assured of this thing. I am with you always. Now, not everybody recognizes I am as a name that God uses to call himself. I am with you always. You mean when everything's feeling good? No, always. When my kids are doing what they're supposed to do? No, always. When they respect me at my job, no, always. When I'm performing the way I know I should, no, always. I am with you, always. When the world's out of control, yes, always. The true blessing is when I am is with you. And that's always. Somebody should be clapping in here. Come on now even to the end of the age, the bottom line today is this, that the truest and the greatest blessing in the life of a believer is Emmanuel, God with us in every season. And the thing is, we've been offered a counterfeit blessing when we already had the real thing got seek seeking for stuff. We've been taught to, uh, to, to, to desire this this little modern day pagan old transactional interpretation of a blessing. And it's under, here's the other thing, it gets mixed in with our patriotism. Because we, we are from the greatest nation on earth. I, I think every country probably believes that, but we believe it probably more than anyone else. And we, 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 got, we don't have all the pestilence that other nations have. We, we don't have as crazy government than other nations have. We, we, we have blessed the world doing God's work, right? So that means we are blessed. We are the people, the nation that God favors. We've been raised on that. And I'm not here to start a political thing or nothing like that. All I'm saying is it's easy to see how that can begin to shape our thoughts on what it means to be blessed. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You see, sometimes we think that blessing means to have prosperity and to have wealth and to have health. Winning and flourishing equals a blessing. Struggling, right, and suffering must mean that God's not pleased with you. That's just the human way. But if we as Christians start thinking the same thing, we got a problem. We have to examine further in Scripture. If we get this wrong, it's going to cause some faith, some faith struggles in the real lives that we're all called to live. You understand what I'm saying? I'm all for patriotism, but that's separate from our relationship with God in a sense that our blessing, there's a whole lot of people who don't have a whole lot that God loves with all his heart, and they are in right standing with him. Somebody say amen? Amen. Is it possible that we understood what Scripture teaches us, how God treats the ones who he's pleased with? I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 talks about uh, a scene where John the Baptist is he's about to baptize Jesus. And John the Baptist is the big name at this point. Everyone knows John. They go out to the wilderness. They go out there to be baptized by John. Jesus came one day and John was like, oh my goodness, that's the guy I've been talking about. Now he knew that was his cousin, but I don't think he knew until that moment that wow, the one I've been prophesying about, that's him. I'm not worthy to even untie his shoes. And Jesus said, hey, baptize me. John was like, man, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus said, Permit it to be this time. And so John baptizes Jesus, and we pick up the story right here. Chapter 3, verse 16 says, after he being Jesus, after he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and the Spirit of God came down like a dove and descended upon him. And an audible voice came out and said, this is my son. Whom I am well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine the moment that would be the highlight of any of our life? For God to make it very clear that you're my child and I am very well pleased with you. That is the best endorsement that anyone could ever have when they're about to start a ministry. You gotta understand this moment, Jesus hadn't walked on water, he hadn't healed the sick, he hadn't multiplied two two fish and loaves, he didn't do any of that. He was just getting started. Anybody been baptized in here? Right at the beginning, this is Jesus right now. God saying, that's my son. Spirit on him, I'm well pleased. And you would say, that's what it means to be blessed right there. Well, then what happens? The very next verse, we turn the page. The very next verse says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness. Can we talk about the wilderness just for a second? I want, to, I want to bring it to a close, but we're talking about the wilderness. The wilderness the wilderness is a place where satisfaction of the world can't be found. There's no crowd cheering you on. You cannot have all of the stuff that typically makes you feel all right. It says the Spirit of God led him there. The Spirit of God led him there to be tempted by the devil. And a lot of us realize that, okay, he was, he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was being tempted the whole time, and at the very end, the devil has his his ultimate temptation. He comes at him with the same temptation that he really gave Adam and Eve in the Garden, and he's going to do this thing here. And many people have been taught, man, he waited till Jesus was at his weakest. And I'm here to say that it's possible that Jesus was at his strongest after fasting after not having all of the comforts of the world, after having nothing but the word of God to sustain him and the presence of God to sustain him, that that was the absolute wrong time for Satan to try to mess with Jesus. God bless you. Did you hear what I said just now? God's with you. It's so interesting how we think that we need all these things when we realize that we got God with us. We see a wilderness season and we start saying, God must have forgotten me. We, we find ourselves where weeping doesn't just endure for a night, but it's going to endure for several nights or several months. Maybe the issue that you're struggling with is not going to be over anytime soon. Do we despise that moment? I just want you to know that if you're going through something in here today, if you're going through something, and a lot of people are, My family, we're going through a lot right now. From the time I said yes to coming here, there have been more things that have happened than I would have ever imagined. Enough that if I didn't know the difference between the true and the counterfeit blessing, I may have just said, I can't do this. I need to back out. I've spent more time in hospitals over the last month. Hours and hours and hours, overnight. So many things we had hoped for, even prayed for turned out very different than what we thought, and we're still in the midst of it, and it's not over, and it may not be over for a long time, but I am choosing to trust in the Lord because here's what I know. The Lord is my shepherd, and I'll have what I need, and he is with me. We see Jesus led into the wilderness, and we forget sometimes that he was modeling when God is pleased with you, sometimes He's going to lead you into a season that may not be the most pleasant, but He's going to sustain you with His presence. And He will teach you how to glorify Him. You guys have got to understand, that was the primary battle, face to face, Jesus versus Satan. We don't see it again until Revelation. He showed us how to resist the devil and make him flee. Let me land this thing. The bottom line again is the truest and greatest blessing for every believer is Emmanuel, God with us all the time. I don't want y'all to miss that. If you forget everything else I said, remember that. God might be setting you up for his glory. If you find yourself in a wilderness season, as a matter of fact, I'd like everybody to go ahead and stand up. The first thing I want you to do if you find yourself in a wilderness season is to acknowledge you're in one. Don't deny it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't try to out-faith it. You know how we get weird sometimes. This ain't so bad. I'm going to tell you something. If your child is sick, you should be weeping. It's okay. It's natural. You can have faith and be a human at the same time. Our faith does not mean that we have to try to hide the fact that we're in a tough season. You ever have people ask you how you're doing like five or six times in one day and you're kind of ashamed to even say how you're really doing? You gotta surround yourself by some people in your life where you can say, I'm in a season right now and I got a feeling I'ma be in it for a while. Pray for me so that I can honor the Lord in this season. The second thing I want you to do is don't try to control it. Don't put a timetable on it. God, I'm okay as long as this gets done before. We don't want to do that, okay? The next thing is, and I call this message surviving the ifs of insanity. I'm a big fan of an old movie. Some of y'all might recognize the Cliffs of Insanity from an old movie. What's, oh, nobody in here has seen The Princess Bride? Y'all got to go see that one. Yeah. But surviving the ifs of insanity because when Jesus was tempted in the, in after fasting, The devil came to him with all kind of ifs. If you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, if you are really a daughter of God, if you really have faith, do this. And he's giving you all these ifs. We got to understand there ain't no if about it. I am blessed. I am a child of God. And this is how we do that. We activate our blessing. We activate our blessing. Okay? And this is how I want you to do it. uh, And the Beatitudes are in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes, we learned there that uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I believe we can extrapolate some truth from that. We reverse engineer it, and we're not going to mess with God's word, but we can extrapolate some truth. If the poor in spirit are blessed, and they inherit the earth, and if you know that you are blessed, then you can be in your wilderness season and say something like this. Say this. Repeat after me. Say, because I'm blessed, I'm going to be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit is to say, I need you, God. I don't need none of this other stuff. I need you. Say, because I'm blessed, I'm going to mourn and be comforted. What does it mean to mourn? It means to repent. It means to say, God, the way I think, the way I do, sometimes the actions that I have, even the world's actions, it just breaks my heart because it's different than what you want for us. I need to be aligned with you. I'm going to mourn. I'm going to repent and I'll be comforted. Say, because I'm blessed. I choose to be gentle because I'm blessed. I choose to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're talking about how you activate your blessing. You already have the blessing. You just walk in it. Okay. This is how you get the devil to run. This is how you overcome the devils. Okay. So then it goes like this because I'm blessed. I'm going to be merciful and I will receive mercy because I'm blessed. I get to be pure at heart. Pure at heart means I'm not undivided. I mean, I'm undivided. I'm not, I'm not um, unstable in all my ways. But I'm trusting in the Lord. I got no questions about how good He is. Because I'm blessed. Somebody say, because I'm blessed, I'm a peacemaker. Huh. Because I'm blessed, sometimes I'm going to get persecuted. Because I'm blessed, sometimes people won't like my faith in Jesus and my testimony. Come on now. But this is what we've decided to do in all things. Rejoice and be glad because our reward in heaven is great. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessing. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that you don't send us out anywhere. You don't send us into this crazy world that's so unpredictable. You don't send us into this out of control place without saying, be assured of this, I am with you. I am with you always. Let that sink into our heart. For someone who is listening online, for someone who is in this room, who is going through something right now that is just so hard, I've asked that you first remind them that you have not forsaken them just because they're going, even you, when you were pleased with your son, you took them through some hard times. Remind them that you are with them, God. Remind them that they don't have to do any ifs, but they are blessed. And God, we ask that you would teach us how to glorify you in the midst of our struggles. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. I want you all to encourage somebody else with what you heard today. Encourage yourself. Rehearse it. If you came with your spouse or your kids, talk about it. God bless you. It's been good. Thanks for having me be here.